It's almost one year since enforcement of the HIPAA omnibus final rule went into effect. However, some covered entities and business associates are still struggling with a few of the rule's provisions. In fact, there's still one more upcoming HIPAA omnibus compliance deadline that some covered entities and business associates are racing to meet. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with healthcare compliance attorney Betsy Hodge of the Tampa, Florida-based office of national law firm Ackerman LLP. Betsy will discuss with us some of the HIPAA omnibus compliance hurdles that covered entities and business associates are still struggling with, including the last HIPAA omnibus deadline that many organizations are dealing with right now. Hi, Betsy. Hi, Marianne. So now, HIPAA omnibus enforcement began on September 23, 2013. So please explain briefly to us why September 22nd of 2014 is significant when it comes to business associate agreements in HIPAA omnibus. As your listeners may know, when the HIPAA omnibus rule went into effect, there was a grandfather provision in the rules for existing business associate agreements. HHS and the Office for Civil Rights recognized when they were drafting the rules that in order for covered entities, business associates, and subcontractors to go through all of their existing business associate agreements, review them, determine if they needed to be updated to comply with the new requirements in the omnibus rule that relate to business associate agreements, and then renegotiate those agreements would probably take longer than Uh, September 23, 2013. So HHS gave covered entities, business associates, and subcontractors an additional year to bring their existing business associate agreements into compliance with the new requirements under the omnibus rule. That's why September 22, 2014 is such a key date. That's the date all of those existing business associate agreements need to be compliant with the new requirements. So now, at this point, what steps should covered entities and business associates be taking to make sure they've got all their business associate agreements squared away in time for this next deadline? We're advising our clients to, one, identify all of their business associates or subcontractors as appropriate so that they know the universe of players with whom they've got to deal. Second, they need to review those existing agreements that they have to make sure that they are compliant or, if they're not compliant, renegotiate those agreements with the appropriate business associate, subcontractor, or covered entity, depending on who the client is. Get those revised. We're also advising clients to document their efforts in this process in case they're not able to get all of the agreements revised by the September 22, 2014 deadline. Uh, We recommend documenting their ongoing efforts to show that they are making an effort, especially where it may be the other party that is causing a delay in completing the negotiation or renegotiation process. So with that said, what are some of the big mistakes that you see covered entities and VAs making in their business associate agreements 
And can those mistakes be corrected or is it too late? You mentioned that if they sort of document the progress, you know, that might be okay or, you know, what should they be doing if they're still sort of haggling or they realize they've made a blunder? Well, I think one of the biggest mistakes is covered entities, business associates, and subcontractors view the renegotiation of the business associate agreement as just another check-the-box formality, and they are not thinking about what risk they have with the particular party on the other side with whom they are negotiating. And so the business associate agreements may not reflect or properly allocate risk among the parties. I would encourage parties not to think about this as just one more box you need to check as you are negotiating an overall master services contract with the other party. Some other issues that we see are clients not thinking about where their data may go once it goes into the hands of either a business associate or subcontractor. For instance, will that information be offshored? There's no requirement in HIPAA that parties restrict where the data can go, whether the data can be offshored or not. And we recommend to our clients that they think about that issue because of complications that can arise if data goes outside the United States. If there is a breach, it may be more difficult, if not impossible, to pursue remedies against the other party that offshored that data. Another issue that we're seeing is indemnification or requiring insurance from the other party. That frequently is a sticking point in negotiation. Everybody seems to want indemnification provisions in their agreement, and a more appropriate solution may be to require the other party to have some sort of cyber insurance in the event of a breach. So those are some issues that we see. If you feel that you have made a mistake in negotiating your contract, you always have the option of trying to renegotiate. Often whether you're successful in that depends on whether you're in a position of leverage vis-a-vis the other party. So that may not always be an option. However, if you believe that the agreement you've negotiated may not fully comply with the HIPAA requirements, including HIPAA security rule requirements, that may be a vehicle to reach out to the other party to try to renegotiate provisions related to where you think the agreement may not pass muster if it's ever reviewed by OCR. So now, Betsy, besides business associate agreements, what other HIPAA omnibus provisions do you think are still giving covered entities and business associates the most trouble at this point? One of the big ones, I think, is still the security rule. That was not rolled out in the omnibus rule, but I think we're seeing parties still struggling with the requirements in the security rule, especially the risk assessment which has, or risk analysis, which has attracted a lot of attention from the Office for Civil Rights, as is evidenced in many of the recent HIPAA settlements entered into by OCR. Other issues we're seeing are, from an operational standpoint, the requirement in the omnibus rule that providers allow patients to indicate if they do not want the health care provider to disclose to a health payer treatment that an individual received for which 
the individual paid out of pocket for. We're hearing from a lot of our clients that given the current state of electronic medical records, it's very difficult to put this requirement into practice and to be able to segregate that kind of information from the rest of the chart and what our providers are concerned about is what might happen if the health insurance company comes in to audit and keeping that information from being reviewed by the insurance company. So given that they have difficulty in doing this with the technologies that they're using, what's your advice? Do they just do whatever they can and just, you know, in case OCR was to come in, just say, well, we made our best attempt based on the technology's capabilities or what should they do? Well, to the extent they can, they should go back to the EMR vendor to see if the vendor can come up with a solution for this issue. If the vendor is unable to do that, obviously they should be documenting their efforts to come up with a workaround and whether or not the vendor would cooperate with this. Some providers, I understand, may be setting up a separate medical record just for the treatment that was paid for out of pocket. So they can easily segregate that information from the rest of the chart, if you will, in case there ever was an audit. While the commentary to the final rule said that's not necessary, as a practical matter, in some cases, it may actually be necessary in order to comply with the rule. So now, Betsy, as we're approaching the one-year anniversary for HIPAA omnibus enforcement, what do you think has been the biggest impact of the rule Any surprises in terms of what's changed and what's not changed for CEs and BAs? Well, I think, Marianne, as you know, one of the biggest changes is that now business associates and subcontractors have direct liability. And while I think many of the more sophisticated and larger business associates and subcontractors are understanding that concept, I'm still surprised that there are many out there who don't understand that they have direct liability now and what that means and the steps they need to take to bring themselves in compliance with the omnibus rule, including on the security rule side. So another interesting development, which I'm not sure it's directly related to the omnibus rule, but is the increased enforcement activity, not just from OCR, but from other agencies related to data breaches. As you know, The FTC is taking a much more active role in enforcing data breach cases, even in the healthcare sector. Uh, We're also seeing increased activity from state attorney generals. You know, under HIPAA, they now have the authority to enforce HIPAA, and several of them have used that authority, um, including the attorney general in Minnesota in the accretive case. And we're also seeing a proliferation of class action suits involving data breaches and also individuals bringing individual claims for data breaches. So I think the increase in litigation, while maybe not tied directly to the omnibus rule, since HIPAA does not create a private cause of action, there seems to be more awareness about data security and data breaches and privacy. And I expect we'll continue to see that trend regarding litigation in the future. 
Now, when it comes to the sorts of breaches that we see being reported by covered entities and business associates and the sort of OCR enforcement actions post-HIPAA omnibus, what do you think have been the biggest changes so far? You know, have things changed as much as people thought they might in terms of sort of assessing incidents under that four-factor rule and business associates being more on the ball? Do you think there's been much of a change yet, or do you think that's going to be coming eventually? I think, Marianne, that the change in the four-factor risk analysis under the breach rule has actually caused some covered entities and perhaps business associates to take a more open view of disclosing breaches. I know some clients have said, our policy is we won't even do the analysis. We will just declare that it's a breach. Uh, We automatically presume that it's a breach, and then we'll provide the required notification. As far as enforcement activity from OCR and the types of breaches, I think we have not seen much of a change yet, although the recent community health system case may signal a change in focus since that is really the first well-known case where hackers went into a system and took patient data. We may start seeing more enforcement activity related to cases like that. First, we'll see more cases like that, more of those breaches, and then more OCR activity related to those cases. And part of that will be because, as a lot of the studies have shown, healthcare information is among the most valuable information on the black market, and people who want to obtain that information can use it for various purposes and make money from that information. Thanks, Betsy. I've been speaking to compliance attorney Betsy Hodge. I'm Marian Kobasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.